0: It was supposed to be nervy, it was supposed to be a nail-biter, but Argentina are in the World Cup final after a surprisingly comfortable night's work against Croatia. And now France lie in wait. Scaloni got it right, Captain Messi led the way, and Julian Alvarez shone. Now, Celeste are back, and one game away from glory. And some amazing scenes, not just in Buenos Aires, but around the country and around the world, as Argentina sealed their place in the final Tom Robinson is back with me, who no doubt indulged in his own celebrations up in Edinburgh.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, it wasn't quite the scenes that we saw at uh, El Obelico or, or Patio Olmos in Córdoba. But um, yeah, certainly in the in the minus five degrees, um, a, a bit of a celebration was had. Definitely more like it from the Aue Celeste.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and as I said there in the intro, we went into this game... Talking about the fact that Croatia had been so difficult to beat. Argentina had maybe not quite shown what we all thought they were capable of coming into the tournament. And yet, surprisingly, we got a game that, certainly up until that opening goal, the penalty scored by Messi, was surprisingly comfortable. There's was at no point really after that that Argentina looked particularly in danger.
1: Yeah, this team has just gone on each game adding a little bit more to their performances and definitely the most comprehensive um, patient clinical performance that we've seen from them obviously croatia did have a fair bit of ball early on but you never really felt that they were going to do too much with it there were a few sort of half moments of potential scares but whenever they got near the goal they they always seem to sort of come up against a brick wall either the the very good argentinian defense which is um, as I'm sure we'll mention, has, has been one of the strong elements of this team. But yeah, there just seemed a, a lack of willing to, to have a go from the Croatians, and and then as they kind of started to come into it, Argentina scored two two goals pretty shortly after Croatian attempts or or attacks. So yeah, nice to see that kind of counter attacking side from uh, side of the game from Argentina, and and well, certainly a couple of pretty memorable goals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Before we get on to some of those memorable goals and, and performances from individuals, um, much of what we were talking about in the preview to the game, Tom, was about how Argentina were going to set up and the question marks that were there for Scaloni being forced into at least one change because of Marcos Acuna being suspended, Tagliafico coming in, and the, the question whether or not that would see a switch to the back four, which indeed it did. How... Di Maria would be assessed in terms of his fitness. Would he come in? Would they go to the 4-3-3? Would they instead opt with Paredes and try and win that midfield? That's exactly what Scaloni did. And you'd have to say that he got everything absolutely right. As you pointed out there, early on Croatia had some possession, but without too much danger being created. But otherwise... In the middle of the park, Argentina gradually began to get a hold of things, and certainly in those wide areas, the fullbacks in the back four were excellent.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think massive credit needs to go to Scaloni and the coaching team there because they've gone for a different formation, that four-four-two with a packed midfield, as we knew that was going to be Croatia's strong, um, strongest part of this. Uh, Their Team, so yes, it was narrow, but it really helped control the middle, and they just had that extra energy. It was a Croatia team that were battle scarred and and had gone the distance in in a couple of games, but they they seemed to be lacking that energy. And I think just having those extra bodies in there really nullified any any threat. And yeah, they just soaked up um, soaked up any pressure that did come their way, and and then were. Incisive and decisive in in the final third. I think Scaloni, as I said, he's grown throughout this tournament. I think he maybe wavered and questioned himself and faltered a bit after the Saudi defeat, but has sort of remedied remedied it from almost halfway through that Mexico game, and and he's now found that balance with Julian, Enzo, and Alexis really becoming central pillars of this squad. And and you've got to say that. You know, for a first World Cup, he's he's really adapted mid-flight and and enhanced his his credibility. And I thought, you know, the way you could see him at the end there, soaking up the scenes, clearly very emotional, very humble as well. And and even the fact that you know he he brought on those outfield players that didn't have any hadn't played any minutes previously in Devila, Correa, and Foyth, you know, just shows that good squad management. So got the calls right. I thought Paredes even though he, even though he was probably the right type of player to come in he did fill me with a bit of bit of nerves early on with a few <laughs> loose tackles there as as we you know we'd seen in the Netherlands game as well but yeah as you said the midfield worked Taylor Fico coming in at left back was absolutely huge as well
0: yeah i mean on the anniversary of Tagli Fico captaining Independiente to the the Sudamericana back in 2017 when he was one of the best defenders in Argentina domestically, he's obviously gone on and had a very good career in Europe as well over the the last five years. But there were still those lingering doubts over, I think Tagliafico coming into the lineup and what he wouldn't give the team as opposed to Acuna getting forward down that left. But I thought defensively, he made some absolutely enormous challenges. He was excellent along the back four, and he did actually get forward and still provide some of that width. Admittedly, maybe not with the same effect that Acuna does as as a much more Transformed winger into a fullback, um, but I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant, and, and certainly poses a question that we'll come on to when we talk about the final, as as to what Scaloni will do. Um, you talked there, Tom, about the, some of the key elements that have come into the lineup that we have to give Scaloni credit for um, gradually finding his way. Julian Alvarez, uh, Enzo Fernandez, and Alexis McAllister is very much the call there of a new generation that are going to be, you know, you're the thought key elements of Argentina's side for many years going forward. But it really has been this tournament where all three have risen and, and raised their profile through the roof. Because even at the start of this tournament, you'd probably have to make fairly strong arguments to get any one of those three into the starting 11. And now you'd absolutely fi- find it difficult to find a team without them.
1: Yeah, I think... Um... It's it's really got a nice balance to it now. There's that confidence and energy off the back of really, really good um, club seasons so far and in the previous 12 months. And those positions that we thought were absolutely nailed on, you know, Lautaro up front, um, the midfield three of Paredes, uh, Los Celso and and De Paul. Obviously, Los Celso not there through injury, but, you know, before the tournament, you would have said, Oh yeah, Pereira surely is going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. And now you think, well, yeah, he's. Do we do we even need him now? Because we've got these players coming through, which is great for Argentina in terms of not just this tournament, but going forward. It shows just there is strength and depth in in so many positions now. And and I think there is you know a, a good future going forward, even even after whenever Messi does hang up his boots. I think. OK, they're not going to be the same, but they've got more than enough to be um, still be a force. So really impressive. And, and I think the, the, that sort of key statistic, which um, you, you tweeted earlier as well, was the fact that ever since Julian and Alvarez has come into the side, 11 of those 12 goals that Argentina have scored have come while he's been on the pitch. And all five of um, that Argentina have conceded has been when he's been off the pitch. So he's very much that emblematic of Argentina clicking. He's the last line of attack, the first line of defence. And even though Messi's going to get all the plaudits for this game, Julian was was the real star.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought his performance was absolutely immense. And, And particularly in light of the fact that you got the impression very early on that Messi maybe wasn't 100%. He kept touching that left thigh. Seems to have been carrying a little bit of a knockover from the previous game. And was very much conserving his energy. You could see more than ever, really, that Messi was choosing his moments when to burst into life. Otherwise, he was walking around the pitch just trying to take up positions where he might receive the ball into his feet or quickly burst into speed to get away. But otherwise, was trying to conserve energy. And that made all the more important for Julian Alvarez to be that buzzing presence up front and just Harris. the the back line of Croatia, try and win the ball high up the pitch or at least make it very difficult to play out. And that's one of the things, certainly, that he's he's been able to bring to that front line. That's not uh, to discredit Lautaro Martinez. who has been absolutely outstanding throughout the Scaloni era so far. But Julian Alvarez's defensive role is probably as important as anything else that we've seen so far. And that was on display against Croatia again. So, too, his movement and the fact that he's able to, to drop in and have Messi run beyond him at times. He's able to drift out wide. He's got that pace to stretch of the defence as well. And, and obviously, we saw that for the opening guard. He timed that run to perfection. Beautiful ball through from Enzo Fernandez, And then he went on to win the penalty. Some people would like to discuss whether or not that penalty should have been given, um, perhaps. I'm a little biased, but certainly found it difficult that you'd argue otherwise for me with the goalkeeper not getting it anywhere near the ball and clearly sticking out that leg. Um, But regardless, Julian Alvarez, seven goals in eight starts now for Argentina. has just been able to carry through that incredible form from River Plate when he was playing, obviously, week in, week out. He's had to adapt a little bit to, obviously, a new club at Manchester City, but he's carried the River form into international football.
1: Exactly, he's, he's that game just showcased absolutely everything that he's he's brilliant at. You know, as you said, the pressing, given that Messi, even when he is in full fitness, isn't someone who does a lot of pressing anyway. You know, he just likes to scope out the spaces, confuse the defenders as to, you know, not moving like a, a normal forward would do in, in the modern game. But Alvarez was just running all over the place, pressing and just got his, just uh rewards for for all that great tireless work you know that not only winning the penalty was a was a lovely little movement it it was it was a bit strange I don't know if, if it was the the ball from Enzo or Lovren getting just a bit confused but it sort of seemed to open up out of nowhere but that's just the way that Alvarez can make those clever little movements and and yeah for me it was a stonewall penalty i, I don't understand why, certainly the ITV pundits were uh, were claiming the opposite. Because yeah, I mean, keepers clearly come come out and okay, even if the defender gets to Alvarez first, he's he's taken um, he, he's taken that opportunity for Alvarez to, to get to the ball. So I thought that was you know again a good good example of his movement um, and his cleverness in the box. Obviously, this, um, his first goal, Argentina's second, um, was quite an amazing goal, quite comical in some ways as well, but just that shows that ability to just drive with the ball. He's, you know, he's someone who's maybe not absolutely lightning, but he's quick enough, mm. and just because he had that persistence to keep barreling forward, I did think that perhaps he'd maybe made the slightly wrong decision in terms of where to go. And I don't know if Molina's run could have maybe drawn a defender away and helped him out a little bit, but he just kept going and he's, he's that kind of guy who's got the confidence just to, just to, yeah, have a go and, and yeah, lovely finish. Definitely also helped by the fact the keeper was on a yellow and I think didn't fancy clattering into Alvarez another time. So that probably also helps there as well. But, um, and I said to the, 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 People I was with in the pub, but when Alvarez scores, he usually gets another one, and and that was the case when he just swept in um, that uh, brilliant pullback from from Messi, um, who yeah, I'm sure we'll get onto his amazing assist there. But yeah, he's he's clearly a man for a bigger um, an occasion, and I think the second the youngest player since Pele to score a brace in a World Cup semi as well. So he's breaking all kinds of records, and and I think. We all knew that he was going to be a big part of Argentina's future going forward. But I've certainly been surprised at how quickly he's embedded himself into the squad. um, And he is that type of guy who just does uh, always defy those expectations.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head there. (laughs) Like For me, watching him every week at River, you say it's not surprising to see him have that role with Argentina, but how rapidly everything has happened with Julian Alvarez maybe is because it's not that long ago when you were still waiting for him to really have a breakthrough with with River. We knew how talented he was there, but he he was still finding his way. And then when he suddenly hit that form, started bagging in the goals, then the links to to Europe started coming, it just seemed to, and it still hasn't, just never seemed to to stop. And it, it just keeps going up a level um to his credit here we are talking about him in a in a world cup semi-final and being one of the the key men for argentina and in his age it is just absolutely incredible um obviously helped in large part by a man who, who needs no introduction and we, we sort of run out of adjectives to describe but another performance from Lionel messi that will that lives long in the memory and, and tom you talked about the Argentina's third goal there and that was really the, the cherry on top wasn't it that assist.
1: Yeah, I mean I th- I thought he'd pulled off the assist of the tournament in the last game but he he went one better there. Um and yeah, I mean I was watching it back again today in in the sort of cold light of day and and it was just again one of these messy moments that that gets better every time you watch it, you know. You re- I remember him just selling radio um, the wrong way and, and getting into the box, but looking it back again, he he almost has to beat him about three different times, and it just showed, you know, generally a, a defender who's had a lot of praise and someone who actually thought, generally speaking, it, it handled Messi quite well. There was a couple of times where he'd he, he'd really stood up to him and and a couple of dribbles that he that he managed to just nick away from uh, Messi in the first half, but yeah, you know, Messi bursts away initially doesn't have the pace these days to to just c- carry on his run so kind of slows down speeds up again to get you know give him himself an, another little bit bit of an edge and, and then that obviously absolutely magical um sort of 180 that he pulls to to, to finally get past him but even then Guardiola has a little uh, nibble at him and he again just shows that amazing strength that that Messi shown throughout this this tournament, the amount of times where he's he's got his back to goal or he's holding off one, two, three defenders is real testament to just what an amazing sort of core strength and center of gravity he's got, an understanding of you know people coming around the space that he's he's opening up for other people. And and okay, yeah, he doesn't have that lightning scampering speed like he, he used to, but he's adapted his game. To you know, deal with his diminishing physical capabilities, which is just testament again to just what an absolute legend of the game he is. But yeah, that assist was was absolutely fantastic, and then the vision to again slip it through um, Guardiola's legs um, and, and pick out Alvarez was was just absolutely brilliant. So yeah, two two brilliant assists in two games um, now, and and both megging the defender who's who's trying to stick to him. It's um it's just the thing of absolute dreams. And yeah, as you said, you just run out of superlatives. Definitely. Definitely. I think he probably should have made that Ballon d'Or list.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think we can safely say that. Um, I think the thing I, I really love about it as well is with the assist is the fact that obviously Guardiola has been one of the outstanding defenders of the tournament, a young defender who still have every confidence will go on it and be one of the top defenders in Europe. Um, But just in that instant was absolutely taken back to school by Messi. And and when he initially gets back into position and forces Messi to check, he probably feels as though I've I've recovered, I've done my bit here. Because as you said, he initially gets beaten, shows that recovery pace to get back into what would normally be a a good position to be in. And having forced Messi to then go away from goal is probably thinking, well, nine times out of ten, this forward in this position is going to roll the ball back to a full-back and, and, and then look for either the return pass, the cross to go into the box. And in the blink of an eye, he suddenly turned again and suddenly Messi's on the wrong side of him inside the penalty box and he can't really make a challenge. So just absolutely brilliant stuff from Messi. The penalty that he scored obviously took him as well to 11 World Cup goals, took him beyond Gabriel Batistuta now as Argentina's outright leading goal scorer at the World Cup. Um, And as he said, this, the final will be his final game at the World Cup four years time is 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 likely to be too far away for him um and I guess the big question is Tom is Messi finally going to find or get his hands on that elusive World Cup trophy
1: well that's the that's the big question that I'm, I'm definitely not brave enough to <laughs> to answer but I, I think the one thing that you can you can really say and you know it might Sound a bit stupid, especially knowing des- Argentina's desire and to win and, and the confidence that they will do it, especially after this um, brilliant performance um, against Croatia. Um, but I think regardless of what happens in the final, this tournament as a whole will be seen as a win. Um, but re- retrospectively, whatever happens in the final for Messi and for the squad, you know, obviously there'll be an immediate, if worst case scenario, Argentina do lose the final, there'll be, you know, annoyance sadness whatever but on reflection and with time I I don't think there'll be that same frustration as as perhaps in 2014 or after the Copper Americas that followed that there's just such a good vibe around the squad and and such a close link to the public and Messi has produced so many amazing moments and and has taken everyone on this journey that he will be remembered Um, well this tournament will be inevitably and inextricably linked to Messi, regardless of what happens in the the final. And and obviously we can talk about the fact that the Copa America win's probably taken off some of that pressure and helped alleviate the burden. But yeah, I think whatever happens, you know, people tens, hundreds of years from now will look back at at this this tournament and, you know, I think Messi is going to be the the name that everyone associates with it so hopefully he can do it because that would just put any stupid arguments about who's the best completely to bed um but <laughs> wow. as stupid it sounds I, I almost feel like he he doesn't doesn't need it after the performances he's put in but obviously i massively hope he does win it <laughs> yeah I
0: mean, I mean it's every game almost now in this tournament at least is, but it but more so throughout the last year or so for Argentina. It just seems like, as we said earlier in one of the earlier podcasts of the tournament, every time Argentina play, now Messi seems to to score. And if he he doesn't score, then he's certainly getting an assist. He just, direct goal involvement just seems to be everywhere at the moment in terms of Argentina as an attacking force more than ever, and in large part because of Maybe that relation with other players around him being far more connected with them pre, from teams of old, uh, but for whatever reason, we're just seeing a phenomenal level of a 35-year-old Messi. Um, before we get on to talking about the final specifically, uh, Tom, the other aspect of this team that we that we do have to talk about, and maybe we haven't done a great deal over the last couple of podcasts because we've been talking about the likes of Messi and Julian Alvarez, is the defense. Who again? Went through this game basically untroubled. There's it, players, well, player, Nicolas Otamendi, who still, people, when you talk about him online, you get a lot of people saying, I can't believe he's still playing for Argentina, he's hopeless, he's a, a, a massive mistake waiting to happen, he'll cost you a game. And yet he's been absolutely sensational throughout this entire tournament so far and and again even when you say that people will come back and say oh well Argentina haven't really had to play anyone really really good so far but he's been the rock there at the back
1: yeah he's he's been absolutely huge I think he's made a lot of us eat our words because he's he's certainly someone who most of us have been trying to edge towards the exit door whenever we've talked about this Argentina side but You know, he does bring experience and it's easy to forget that this is a guy who's played right at the top level for for most of his career. He was super, super highly rated when he burst through at Velez and has certainly been one of the more impressive defenders to come out of Argentina in the last 10 years. So it's it's really nice, I think, for him to, again, probably end his World Cup Um, an argentina career with this standout performance to to really go off on a high and and again there are the other intangibles about who you bring with you to the squad who you play like their influence around the dressing room the general good vibes he's clearly someone who's a leader off the pitch as well. And someone who keeps morale high and, you know, there's something to be said for that as well. And and I think that's been huge around uh, the the dressing room is the, the humility, the t- togetherness, you know, you you see that after every game, when they're celebrating with the fans, you see it when, you know, even the subs are singing along to the, the chants in the crowd, which is just, you know, you just don't get that with, with pr- pretty much any other team. And, and I think, yeah there's been moments where I've I've worried um you know he's he's never completely going to take that worry away from you certainly when he got a yellow card I was like oh please do not get another one and miss the final because you know it it wouldn't be out of the realms of imagination but no he's he's been fantastic the the elder statesmen of this team have have all stood up and and yeah not the Messi needed um any Help with his reputation, but I think Di Maria and Otamendi were much maligned, and uh, and they've they've rescued and rebuilt their their names with with the national team. And um, you know, again, credit to Scaloni for for sticking with them and and keeping them in the fold. So let's hope he can he can ride one last time and um, and and bring the cup back to Argentina.
0: Yeah, and I think you make a really important point there about the fact that we're not just Assessing Otamendi in terms of what we've seen on the pitch where he has been flawless defensively we're talking about an Argentina squad here in which one of the key elements under Scaloni has been the rebuilding of this really tight bond which we see in the good times as you mentioned there with the the singing not just after winning games but when we see the, the videos at training back at the team hotel but also, in, in the bad times, when we need those leaders, you need some of some of the guys who've been around previous World Cup campaigns, around previous squads, who can go and speak to some of the younger players. And there's no question that Nicolas Otamendi is, is one of those guys. So his role within the squad under Lionel Scaloni will have been absolutely huge, along with the likes of Messi. You mentioned Di Maria. Some of the the newer players with a little bit less experience. But even they, I think, will lean on Ottomendi. I think Rodrigo de Paul is his his roommate, for example. And he's spoken huge praise of Ottomendi and his role within the group, of you know, being this fierce and competitor on the pitch. But one of the super nice guys in the squad who a lot of people go to speak to. So such an important figure there. Um, and then, obviously, the rest of the defence, Tom... A lot of people were questioning certain areas of the defence as well coming into the tournament at full back. We, we already talked there about Tagliafico coming in and, and being brilliant in his replacing of Acuna at left. But Molina, again, had a, another fantastic game at right back.
1: Yeah, he was he was very good. You know, again, in that second goal, you see him bombing up the pitch and, and contributing there. And yeah, he's he's been someone who I think has, again, grown in this tournament in the first game or two a little bit little bit shaky, but I think that goal against the Netherlands has has really given him you know a massive lift and you can see he's playing with a lot more confidence now, which is really good. And obviously Romero is it, the the difference maker in that defence. I think he's he's gotta take a big um responsibility and um and praise for Otamendi's uh, in, increased uh, performances and and improved form as well. It's He's the kind of glue that makes that defence work. And obviously, Emi Martinez, you know, didn't have much to do in this game. And to be fair, actually, I think Argentina have conceded the fewest shots in, in the tournament so far. So he's, he's not had to do loads, but when he has been called upon, he's more than... Um, come up with the goods, so that whole defense is great and and the guys coming in to help out you know Lissandra and Martinez has played a big big part as well even if he's not been starting he's been someone who's who's come in and and again as we look forward to a final with France I, I definitely think that this is going to be that moment where the defense is really really going <laughs> to earn its corn, and I think it could be if all goes well it could be it could be their day to you know, take all take all the praise because we've seen throughout this squad during this tournament, everyone's kind of had their moment in a way. Um obviously Martinez in the penalty shootout. This match we've had uh, Julian Alvarez really sort of stake his name as as the man of the match of that game. Messi's been brilliant throughout. You know, Mcallister's got his goal. Enzo Fernandez came on and and made that huge impact against Mexico and has been, been great. Nepal had that really important performance against Australia and the Netherlands as well. It's, you know, it feels like almost everyone, even Lautaro, who's not had the best tournament, gets that crucial penalty. So it almost feels like, you know what, it might be a resolute centre-back performance from two or probably more likely all three of them that um, that potentially could, can get Argentina over the line because, as we mentioned, this is now their huge test. It's the best team that they've faced in the competition. You could, as you mentioned earlier, you could say that they've not necessarily come up against any brilliant teams and certainly not many good attacking teams. Um, you know, France are going to not necessarily need to dominate possession, but where they're strongest is those those front four players who can do damage to anyone and they're absolutely clinical in their moment. So Argentina have reversed the three nil scoreline that they had against Croatia from the 2018 game. And now it's uh, there's a, there's a bit of revenge in the final against France, hopefully.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's a mouthwatering final to go up against France, who obviously a little earlier, as we record, beat Morocco in their other final. Um, Two two-time winners looking to win their third World Cup. France, of course, the reigning champions coming into the tournament as, as one of the, the big favourites, along with Argentina, and maybe that in itself is a little bit of a surprise to get two big favourites meeting in the final, even though there's been surprises along the way. Um, and as you say, the two sides that met last time out, they lost, uh, Argentina lost 4-3 in the round of 16 in 2018. And... Um, but I think, as Croatia will attest to Tom, this is a very, very different Argentina to the one that we saw four years
1: ago. Oh, I mean, the the turnaround's been massive. We've we saw that just in in the process of them getting to this this tournament and coming in as one of the favourites. The amount of if you look at this, you know, the squad list from some of those games four years ago with. Willy Caballero and Maxi Messer and, and yeah. other players like that it's it's night and day now i mean obviously there were some some great players in that last team maybe towards the end of their careers but you know it's just again testament to how far this this squad has come and it's it's almost been the absolute perfect world cup cycle you know going from the ignominy of, of crashing out after an absolutely terrible um uh, tournament in In Russia, yes, 4-3 on paper didn't look that bad, but they were absolutely scored by Croatia. You know, they only squeaked past Nigeria and and drew in their first game as well. And and just to rebuild almost from nothing, it's just absolutely incredible that they're actually here in the final and, you know, have a puncher's chance of of beating France. I, I, I don't think anyone's expecting... Argentina to be the favourites necessarily, but they'll fancy their their chances. There's there's areas of this French team that can be got at. You know, the midfield too, as well as it's performed, I think can be an area of the pitch which Argentina could get some joy. Upamecano has shown that he you know he's he's a bit too keen to dive in sometimes, and and Harry Kane was rolling him. So you know we've seen what Messi can do against a a similarly physical player like Guardiola. So that could be somewhere that Argentina get a bit of joy. Teo Hernandez prone to the odd, stupid decision, even if he is very good going forward. And, you know, even Loris, who's not really been tested too much, you know, is we know that he's got, um, the occasional error in him as well. So it's, let's not overly idealize this, this very, very good French side. There are ways that Argentina can, um, can get at them. Um, but it is going to be a real test. But, you know, if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think you can grumble at all about who you come up against once you get to the latter stages of a World Cup. And in fairness, I don't think you'll ever hear that from anyone inside the Argentina camp. Scaloni said the whole way along from the group stages when people were talking about who you might want to come up against, saying it's not really something that you can ever control or who you'd want to pick. You focus on on who you get and, and sort of getting things right yourself. And that will be exactly what Scaloni and his team will be doing and looking at that France team and the performances. And I think they'll take a lot of confidence, despite knowing of the, the threat that France have. But they'll look at the, the win over England, the narrow win over England. They'll look at the win in the semi-final against Morocco. And as you say, I think they'll look at a lot of things there that they might be able to uh, have some success with. I mean, when we look back at that team, as you alluded to, Tom, from 2018, and I've got it here, um, Armani in goal, Mercado, Otomendi, still there, Rojo, Tagliafico was the back four, then Mascherano, Banega and Enzo Perez, the midfield three, and then Messi, Di Maria and Christian Pavon were the front three, um, with Aguero, Mesa and Facio, the three substitutes who came on during the game, but... I don't think it's much of an exaggeration, particularly when you look at some of the stages of the careers of the players mentioned there, to say that even on paper, it, it's a much stronger Argentina. And that's without the fact that 2018 under Sampaoli was, was a mess off the, pe- off the field as well, with a lot of talk of real unrest in the dressing room. Just light and day to what we have now under Lionel Scaloni and the atmosphere that he's cultivated.
1: Yeah, exactly. and And even some of those players who are still there, like Messi and Otamendi, Di Maria, even though they're four years older, you could say that they're all coming into this tournament on either much better form, fitness, confidence, contribution to the national team. So even those, those names who who would have been closer to their prime are probably in, in better nick now than they were back then. And, And just the whole structure is so much better. The, the coaching set up the flexibility with the formations, obviously the defense is, you know, light and day, even though again, Talia Fico is in there, but he's got more experience. Um, but yeah, likes of Mercado, Rojo, Paon, Mesa, you know, these guys have clearly not at the level that, the, um, the current team is. And, and there's so much potential in this, in this new squad as well. There's lots of players who, uh, you know, either in, in their prime or will still be in their prime or won't even have reached their peak at the next World Cup. And I think there's there's just so much that you can look forward to, not just from the, the squad, but the, the players that are coming through, the, the great work that the likes of Aymar and Mascherano and, and the other coaches there that, that make up the coaching team have, have, have contributed. So generally speaking, whatever happens in this final we all hope it's going to be um, Argentina's third uh, world cup but you know the state of Argentinian football certainly on the international front at least okay Chiqui Tapia's <laughs> probably got some questions to answer about <laughs> domestic football and and that's probably the next uh, the next area to look at but you know in terms of where the national team's at 4 years on it's just a whole different ball game <laughs> it's it's crazy how Quickly, they've managed to turn things around, and um, you've just got to credit all those all those involved. And and yeah, um, it will just be a case of just seeing if they can get the the icing on the cake now.
0: Yes, I mean the the question as it was going into the semi final, then Tom, is, is going to be how Scaloni or how we think Scaloni will line up against France. It seems to be sort of three options here. Acuna is obviously back available, so. Does Scaloni go back to the three centre-backs option with Lissandro Martinez in the side? Acuna as a left-wing back? Um, or does Acuna come in as a, as a left-back in a, in a back four? Does Tagliafico keep his place um, with the back four? Does Paredes then stay in the line-up as the holding midfield player and allow Enzo Fernandez, McAllister and De Paul to play a little bit higher at the pitch? Um, or does Di Maria come back into the team? Is he fit enough to start um, and go to something close to a 4-3-3? I mean, there seems to be maybe three different formations that Scaloni could go with. Um, so what do you think he'll be thinking about going with for the final?
1: Well, as you said, I think the the fact that there are three viable options is, is such a plus point um, for, for this team and means that they can adapt Either in game, they can go with whatever lineup they think is going to work best against France. I do think they're probably going to go with three at the back in terms of bringing Lissandro in because you know someone like Mbappe, you're going to need uh, to have that extra man there along with a with the right back to kind of contain him. I think it's going to be important as well not to give. Dembele and Griezmann um space and time of the ball Griezmann's been absolutely fantastic and is is the heartbeat of the, that French side he's if they can sort of shut him down be that with an extra center back or um the deep lying midfielder really sticking to him I think that's going to be important I suppose the one thing that you might say is do you necessarily need three ba- three center backs to op- occupy Giroud, who's not necessarily someone who's, who's going to drag you all over the place or do lots of, lots of running, you know, England were for the most part able to, to sort of keep him relatively quiet until obviously they didn't <laughs> with, with just two centre backs. But I don't know. I just, I just get the feeling that that they'll go through at the back because Lissandro Romero, Otomino, they all give you the, the ability to pass out from the back with some, you know, good line breaking balls. And and that's probably as important as their defensive ability. So I think that's probably going to be the case. If you're going through at the back, you're probably going to want to bring a back in um, at left wing back because he's best suited to that role, even though it would be very harsh on Taliafico after he had such a good game. Um, But then I suppose, you know, the, the downside of, of having the the five at the back is maybe you're, you're sacrificing someone in midfield or up front. Um, And sometimes we've seen Argentina look a bit isolated when they've, when they've had that um, back five, back three. So you could, you could really see, they say, well, you know what, let's, you know, maybe go opt for a more, the more defensive fullback options um, and really look to get about that midfield and try and, get the ball and, and link the play and, and allow Alvarez and, and Messi to, to not be too isolated up the field. It would be great to see Di Maria come in. And obviously, um, you know, both he and Perez know this, uh, a lot of these French players very well, as Messi will um, as, as well. Um, but I think I've just got complete confidence in whichever line out starts the game that they're going to be able to sort of go toe to toe with France. And, you know, I think that this, the way managers look at these games now, isn't necessarily like this is our formation and we're going to stick to this or these are the players who are going to play the entirety. They, they look at players who are sort of starters of games and finishers of games. And it's almost like a, you know, a, a second Offensive phase that they might be, you know, looking to bring in um, later in the game. So it doesn't. I think you're not going to see the the same lineup that starts probably finish the game. So it's um, it's very much a, a squad game. You know, as as we've seen from um, Scaloni, just you know, using every every element of this squad through it throughout the tournament. So it's your guess is as good as mine. But if it was me, I'd probably probably be going three three at the back for this game. What, what do you think, Peter? Yeah, I
0: mean, I mean the one that I, I think will be discounted from the start anyway is Di Maria, given the fact that I think we saw him come on very late in extra time against the Netherlands. We didn't see him come off the bench against Croatia. Um, and I think given the success they've had in those games, I, I don't think Scaloni will then throw him back in from the start. But as you say, I think he's now... Reportedly, back fit. Whether or not that's fit enough to start, anyway, we don't really know. Um, but I think you will be looking at him as as an option if we need to change things up in the second half, for example, against France. If they if they are looking for a goal, if they want to stretch the game, Di Maria is perfect to, to be able to come on in that situation. The big question is between the other two. With with Acuna back, do you go with that back five? And and for me, I, I can see that the benefits of both. The only problem I have is that if you go with the back five, bring Lisandro Martinez back into the side, and we spoke last time about the the benefits of being able to play that, and there there's certainly benefits you can see here, because you'd look at Romero and his recovery pace, no doubt being able to help out Molina down that right-hand side to defend Mbappe, Lisandro Martinez would be able to help out Acuna down the left with Dembele at the same time, and then, you know, at Otamendi would probably quite fancy out yeah, of a lot of modern strikers quite like to probably defend against someone like Giroud, who's not the quickest, who's not going to like run in behind him and, and drag him all over the place. The issue, I think, with that being that then the player you bring out is probably Leandro Paredes, um, to keep that midfield three of the pool, McAllister and Enzo. And one of those three, probably Enzo, would have to be very disciplined and very deep, I think, to make sure that he tracks Griezmann all the time because of how deep he drops um, and how important he's been to France so far. So that for me is, is the really big question for Scaloni. Does he want to go with that and then maybe reduce Enzo Fernandez's role or certainly his role higher up the pitch? Um, or does he want to risk going up against the French attack? and how good it can be with the back four. Um, as you say, that's one for Scaloni. But uh, I think it's, it's very, very intriguing um, to see how he will go about that. Um, obviously, it's a World Cup final, so it's a motivation in and of itself is, is not an issue. But um, we talked last time, Tom, about the Argentinian mentality is sometimes picking up on little things and it really being a driving force. Um, and your memory just goes back to talking about The World Cup some months before the tournament and Mbappe um, dismissing to some extent Argentina and Brazil by saying that the South American teams don't face the level of competition that we do here in Europe. Um, I just wonder whether that will be running through the minds of a few of these Argentinian players ahead of Sunday.
1: I won't just be running through their minds that we pinned up <laughs> on the dressing room wall. Honestly, there's there's definitely some beef or or beef with the, with the French. Um I think it's going to be a bit spicier than um than the Croatia game for sure and you know maybe not quite the same na- level as the Netherlands, but there's you know there's obviously 2018 there's those comments, you know, speaking to a lot of Argentina fans, you know, they they, they would love to beat France. I think it would be a real you know that you know that they love a bit of revenge, a bit of something to fire them up, and I think this is the the perfect level of kind of fairly low level, but enough that an elite professional athlete will take that and use that as the fire that they that they need. So I, d- I definitely think that you can also say that you know none of us really know the the relationship that Messi and Mbappe have at Paris Saint Germain, but I'm sure there'll be a, a hint of that kind of power play there feeding into both teams being like, okay, we want our star man to be, you know, going back to that dressing room with the with the cup and you know, effectively one getting one over their their rival in the, in that um, in that dressing room. So I, I'm sure that even if it's not explicitly said, there'll be a lot of Argentina players being like, no, no, we need to show that Messi is number one everywhere including in in um, mbappe's personal project of of, of paris and germain so you know you've got that you've you've got better there's in the, in in that um you know uh as a player who who's who's played there di maria there's 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 lots of players who'll know each other from various different clubs around europe and um it will be i think there'll be there'll be definitely a little bit of an edge uh to the game and and Hopefully, one that doesn't spill over. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I, th- I think it could, there could be fireworks there. That's yeah. all I'll say.
0: Yeah, and yeah, no, I agree. And I think Mbappe might find out very quickly, uh, <laughs> just how that, those words <laughs> might come back to when you think who he might be coming up against the likes of Romero, Otamendi, and Dibu Martinez at any point in the opening 15 or so minutes. If there's a little, uh, Flashpoint in the Argentinian penalty box. I think uh, Mbappe might find out that those words certainly have been remembered. Um, So there we are, just days away now uh, from the big one, the World Cup final. Argentina going for their third World Cup. Mario Kempes looking on from the stands. The the name of Diego Maradona, never far away. And and Tom, this is the opportunity for, for Lionel Messi and the rest of that team to, to write themselves really into the, the history books of Argentine football.
1: Yeah, yeah. It would be absolutely incredible. I, I think we've we've said from almost the moment they lost to Saudi Arabia that this has almost felt like the perfect Hollywood narrative and the way that the competition's opened up for them, the way they're playing themselves into some form, Messi being Absolutely sublime, you know. I I can't think if he wins it. I I can't think of a a performance by a player in a World Cup that that really matches it. You know, some people will say Zidane, some people will say Brazilian Ronaldo from you know from our our generation. I'm sure there will be plenty of other examples in previous World Cups, but I think Messi, you know, heralded as one of the best ever, and actually then pulling it out of the bag probably when most people think he's maybe just run out of time would just be absolutely incredible um so yeah a very mixed a bag of emotions nerves excitement for for sunday's game it's it's going to be incredible um but hopefully we're all celebrating with the abuela in, in lineares by, <laughs> by the <laughs> end of it <laughs>
0: yeah well i'm, I'm not going to uh... Put you on the spot asking for any kind of prediction i I certainly don't want to uh, exactly exactly (laughs) for that reason we're we're not going to be doing that but clearly that's why we're here um we're hoping and praying to be talking about argentina be argentina being world champions once again um come Probably Monday rather than rather than Sunday if uh, everything goes to plan. Um, but thanks as ever, Tom, um, for going over this one. And as I say, hopefully we we will be reconvening again soon as champions.
1: Yeah, pleasure. We'll have to do it live from the (laughs) Omelica. Good luck recording anything
0: from down there. Um, But thank you for listening uh, to this one. And we will be back with a review of the final win or lose uh, for Argentina. Um, I hope you enjoyed so far what we've come up with during the World Cup. Speak soon.